I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, I'm Craig and welcome to another episode of Football Kit Memories. Today I meet prolific tweeter and king of the football meme, Johnny Sharples. We talk about Johnny's successes on the platform, some of the crazy situations it's put him in, and we find out whether he thinks Twitter is ultimately a good thing or a bad one. We cover the important work he does with mental health charity Calm, his football manager Alter Ego, and his music podcast Your Fest. During the show, I asked Johnny to pick out three of his favourite football shirts and tell us a little bit about what they mean to him. There's Newcastle, Boca Juniors, and perhaps a controversial version of the iconic Celtic Hoops. You can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do subscribe, share, and above all, enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm joined by a Twitter sensation. It's Johnny Sharples. How you doing, mate? I'm really good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. You grimaced when I said that description. Is that is that not good? <laughs> Um, it's not honestly it's not the worst thing that I've ever been called um, pr- both <laughs> professionally professionally and privately I went on uh, five live a couple of years ago and they introduced me as former Manchester United midfielder really? uh, Johnny Sharples yeah they obviously there's a there's a guy that played youth football possibly in the 70s quite way back called John Sharples and I think they just googled my name and seen his Wikipedia page <laughs> and assumed we're the same person when someone that must be about two decades his junior turned up at the studio yeah um, they must have been quite taken aback but they rolled with it they were fine um but yeah tw- twitter sensation uh, is absolutely fine by me well mate i think you are do you know what? I- i've followed you for years and you- you've got so many followers and you get so much traction i guess uh, for anybody that is listening and doesn't know what you do do you want to give us a bit of background on who you are and what you do do um so uh, it's Twitter sensation and idiot off the internet. Um, those, those are the, probably the two best descriptors of um, of what I do and why people might have might have heard of me. I just I'm a Newcastle supporter basically that got quite lucky on Twitter and, and people found him and found uh, the things that I said funny um, and shared them and got more followers and more followers. And I have stupid jokes that I keep going and I've done stupid stunts like try and put um, Harry Maguire on a fifty pound note. Uh, sorry, Harry Maguire riding an inflatable unicorn on the £50 note and uh, various different things like that. So I'm just um, someone that says stupid things on the internet and makes people, hopefully, makes people laugh. I certainly make myself laugh um, most of the time. So that's the main thing. <laughs> so, like, how do you do all the stuff? Do you do it all on Photoshop? You're a bit of a whiz on that. 
Um, I took so what happened was I um years and years and years ago, probably what year were we in 2021. So it must have been about 2013, so eight years ago. Um, one of my friends, Alwyn, um, who's a Manchester United fan, he was he's really good at Photoshop, always has been. Um, and then he would post what he'd done on Twitter and it would get a lot of attention. And the same went with um bearded genius, Noz. He would he's incredible on Photoshop, would post these incredible pictures up and like fake movie posters and things like that. And they would get a lot of traction on Twitter. So I thought, I want a piece of that pie, basically. I was, you know, I want some of that attention for myself. So I couldn't use Photoshop. So I used to do things on Microsoft Paint and I really learned how you could, not, not, not to the same standard, not even close to the same standard, but rudimentary, learn how to roughly make things on Paint. And I knew Microsoft Paint you know, back to front to back, everything that there was, everything you could possibly do on Microsoft Paint, I learned how to do it. And then gradually built myself up. So there's a free web app called Pixlr. Right. Very similar to Photoshop, does a lot of the same stuff. So I, again, learned how to do all the stuff in that. And that's what I do most of the stuff now on. And it's just a case of, you know, I don't know if it's a bit of an addictive personality and we might cover my uh, issues with football manager later on, I'm sure, <laughs> but it's just, you know, really wanting to learn things inside out and learn everything you can about them and make use of them elsewhere. So make use of them, you know, make people's birthday cards and Valentine's cards and, and yeah. you know, Christmas cards. And, and it's, it's useful outside of Twitter as well. So it's just one of those skills that I decided I was going to pick up mainly to try and get people's attention on Twitter and on the internet, um, but it's been useful elsewhere. But yeah, it's just a bit of, sometimes photoshopping sometimes um just capturing the moment like i say the thing with memes is as well there's already most of this the, most of the works there for you yeah it's just fitting your punchline into those things so they're relatively easy things to do and and maybe mess about a bit with if it's a picture that's being a meme at the moment like the distracted boyfriend from a couple of years ago and things yeah. like that it's just a case of sometimes putting somebody else's head on it and that's relatively easy to do so it's just always keeping an eye on what's getting traction and what's going viral and things like that and putting your own spin on it a lot of the time I think I guess it's like the race to kind of get the joke out there as well so you've got to actually go and produce it on something and then like you've got to hope that nobody gets to the joke before you on Twitter and all that kind of thing because that's a heartbreak when you've got something funny and you someone beats you to the punch, isn't it? It's so so annoying. Yeah, it's especially as well if you thought of a joke that's say a very, football's full of very fleeting moments. Mm. So like there's ninety minutes and something funny might happen, but it, it's over and done with very quickly. But that can roll over on Twitter for a long time. But then sometimes something you might notice very fleeting moment that you think's really funny, but it might take you half an hour, forty minutes to actually do this elaborate thing that you want to do and by that time the moment's moved on or there's better jokes out there and you've spent 40 minutes or whatever trying to produce this this joke and it's just just not happening so there's been plenty of occasions where that that's come to me as well plenty of occasions where people do the same joke or exactly the same joke or a better version of that joke or you know they might have got you there got there a millisecond or two before you and theirs has already gone off and it's like ah <laughs> a bit of a pain in the back a bit of a pain in the a bit of a pain in the behind but um yeah I think that that's the joy of both football and Twitter that these things happen so quickly and they move on so quickly and they they snowball really quickly as well into much bigger moments much funnier moments and people put their own spin on things and make them even better and then you perhaps put your own spin on their version of it and that's certainly what happened recently with the um the four lads and the sea shanty people were 
yeah. you know, mixing two memes together and then people putting their own spin on that spin and things like that. So it's fun. Uh, I think a lot of the problem is sometimes you always have to be on it and um, you always have to be on Twitter and ready. And if you want a joke to be ready, so you can't predict a lot of things. So I have very few things in my drafts on Twitter. Right. I think I have I have two things in there in the moment. One's been in there for a very long time because it's very specific thing needs to happen <laughs> for that joke to work. But if it does happen, then I think that joke's really funny, but it, it relies on a lot of things. Another one is um, something that I, one of those things that's always in the back of people's consciousness, but always trying to work out what a spin could be. So something similar was um, for a long time I had, um, I don't know if you remember uh, the Hastings Direct advert. So it was um, 0800-001066 was the the old jingle to it. And for ages, I had 0800-00 or whatever the beginning was it, saved in my drafts with little things around it, waiting. And I think Trent Alexander-Arnold was the person that alerted me to it because he wears shirt number 66. So it's waiting for someone wearing a number 10 shirt to be stood beside him with <laughs> the 66 shirt on. And eventually it happened. So I was able to tweet that. But I've got another thing similar um, that needs needs a punchline similar to that to happen. Um, and nothing's happened yet. But yeah, it's Keep just... Them so that's how you get there with the speed. There are a few that you kind of write and think about, oh, I'll use that in the future. I need the perfect storm of events to happen. Yeah. And sometimes those events never happen. Yeah. And so things are just sat in sat in the drafts for ages and eventually I'll just go, ah, it's never but it's as well, as well as being in the drafts, it's obviously in the back of my head as well. So if I delete that draft and then that thing does eventually happen, then I can always hopefully my mind won't have degraded that much and yeah. uh other things have replaced it, uh, other useless facts and bits of information will have replaced that, that I can reproduce it quite quickly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, having those to hand is often the way, the way to do it quickly as well, is to have those few drafts saved up. But again, it relies on a perfect storm, like you say, in certain circumstances happening to really make it fly. Do you know what? I was going to ask you, so you obviously have to be on Twitter a lot in order to kind of you know drop those jokes and get that engagement and stuff like that overall kind of obviously you like it because you're so prolific on it but do you think it can be a bad thing at times twitter um obviously i think we're talking at a time when um twitter's in the news for the very negative real world things that happen on it you see a lot of um especially as football supporters and i don't think any neither myself or yourself or anybody listening is blind to the fact that there are a lot of people that will say very horrific, racist, homophobic, transphobic, misogynistic and sexist things on Twitter. um, And they'll direct them towards people. And I think it's very, very negative in that fact. And I don't know how we move away from that. But at the same time, I don't know if you ever have, but I've posted things on on Twitter, such as, uh, you know, where a Premier League football happens to be on in the background of a of a, a video that I've recorded, right. and the Premier League can get that removed in like five minutes. Why can't Twitter oh. react to these people that are saying horrific things, especially if they're being mass reported by a number of people, yeah. which will often happen? Why aren't Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whoever removing these people, removing their accounts? as quickly as they'll remove copyrighted material from stakeholders like the Premier League. So there is a lot of horrible negative things that happen on Twitter that do need to change as well. Like I said, I, I think I might have a quite an addictive 
personality. So Twitter's can obviously be quite bad from that, especially if you're getting that rush of this is a good joke and people are finding it funny and people are enjoying it and you're seeing the, the retweets and favourites rack up. That can be quite, you know, that you know that rush that you get from that can be quite an addictive thing yeah and i think it's it sounds silly because i think people that have had you know addictions to other stuff would probably think that that's you know an odd thing to 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 get that adrenaline rush from but i think a lot of people do are addicted to social media in that respect as well from the from the respect that they earn from it from the clout that they get from it and that can be quite quite bad long term from them um but there are a lot of positives as well you know it gives social media gives a voice to people that otherwise might struggle they can be they can remain anonymous sorry they can remain anonymous and really find themselves and find their place in the world whether it's their gender identity whether it's their sexuality and they can explore those things in a relatively safe environment and it also enables people to connect with other people that they might not be able to connect with whether it's you know especially at the moment, they might be quite lonely in the, the pandemic and they might be restricted to being in their own house or their own room if they flat share and things like that. Yeah. It enables people to connect that way. And it also can, it enables people to connect to people that might also have various things going on in their lives, people that are struggling with their sexuality, people that are struggling with mental health difficulties. They can find a, um, a crowd that are going through the same thing. So there are a lot of positives that come out of social media. But again, like we touched on at the beginning, there are a lot of horrible negatives. And it's about amplifying those positives and about amplifying those voices and then also reacting to those negatives and the companies that run these social media websites and platforms, you know, to it's their responsibility to get rid of these people as soon as possible and not just leave these horrific messages that uh, hang in that other people can read and be negatively affected by as well. I uh, 100% agree, mate. I think it's really well put. Um, just kind of changing tack a little bit. I wanted to ask you as well, in terms of what you do on Twitter and the kind of, you know, the, the traction you get, like I mentioned, what's like the craziest thing that's happened to you? Um, I... There's a, there's a few things that have, I suppose I got to go and play at St James's Park which was an incredible thing as a Newcastle supporter yeah. um, so so the end of the 17-18 uh, season so it would have been May 2018 um, I got to go and play at St James's Park the sponsors Newcastle sponsors Fun 88 um, contacted me and said look we're putting this match on at the end of the season it'll be like local journalists and a few people off Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and stuff like that. Do you want to come down and play? Well, come up and play. And I was like, yeah, of course. Um, so I got to, I scored at St. James's Park. I gave it the sheer, sheer celebration. And, you know, there's no, there's no crowd there. But again, that buzz that you feel, I, I, I don't play as much seven aside, five aside, 11 aside as I used to. But even then that buzz that you got from scoring a goal in a seven aside Tuesday night at the local leisure centre thing. Yeah. It's a massive was you know it just it feels like you've made a difference to your team even if it is only like a you know whatever your team's called into your nan or whatever you want to call them <laughs> so you're so you feel like you know you've made a difference to that team you've you know earned a point for your teammates it's fun but to do it in a premier league stadium with the team that you support wearing the their shirt albeit i was wearing the away shirt which i wasn't quite as happy about as if i was oh, wearing right. the black and white stripes but to score a goal for your team in that environment was just incredible and yeah give it the shearer um and i think we won about 16-5 was the final score wow. against these local journalists so i would have been a bit annoyed if i hadn't scored um if we'd scored 16 but um 
yeah that was an incredible feeling I also um I got to go and have Christmas dinner with the England team um in 2019 well a few five of the England team Tyrone Mings um Nick Pope Harry Winks John Stones and Tammy Abraham okay got to have Christmas have Christmas dinner with them as part of um, a mental health initiative that they were doing right um and go and speak to them about the the work that I've done with with Calm as a mental health charity um, and speak to them about that and then again at the beginning of 2020 um I got to go and play table football with um Tony Adams, Ledley King, uh Scott McTominay, John McGinn and then um then Prince William as well. So that was quite a strange thing to have come about from, from Twitter and the stuff that I've done on Twitter. So right. um, a, a few, you know, it's, it's weird that these, you know, I think you see it a lot, um, a lot across social media, these people that have done re- what, what look like relatively small things uh, and then they eventually snowball and become bigger. Like the lad that went on stage at um, Glastonbury yeah. a couple of years ago with Dave and did, Thiago Silva and then he just blew up massively in the four like we mentioned those four lads that did the that just happened to have their photograph taken and that became a meme on Twitter they've now been on you know Good Morning Britain and spoken to the BBC and stuff like that so you know these fleeting moments people really can build a whole reputation on them and and have these opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten so yeah scoring at St James's Park and then meeting, meeting Prince William are probably the two two strangest things that have happened unfortunately I didn't score at St James's Park in an FA Cup semi-final and then met Prince William as part of the you know being at Wembley for the final (laughs) that wasn't quite how that was what that would have been how I had it planned out when I was a child but obviously the reality was slightly different and uh, but you know nonetheless still quite still quite a good thing to have been involved with yeah so you mentioned briefly there as well that you're an ambassador for Calm right yeah how did that so they're um so um, in 2014, um, my brother passed away uh, by suicide when he was 36. Right. It was in December, of, in December of 2014. So right, right before Christmas, like a couple of days before Christmas. And so um, that Christmas sort of became a non-event. And, you know, me and my family got together still, me and my sister and my parents got together and, and we had Christmas dinner, but obviously it wasn't the same. We were grieving. Um, and in that time, my dad found this charity called Calm as a way to... Um, so charities to us to raise money for um, because they help young men that were going through similar things that my brother was going through and they run a helpline for people that are not feeling too great to telephone up and to speak to somebody about whatever crisis they're going through and, and so uh, we started raising money for them and then I did a bit more work to raise money for them for a few different ways and then eventually um, as I you know using my Twitter account to, to talk about them and to talk about my brother and what he went through. And then as I sort of grew on Twitter and was still raising uh, awareness and money for, for Calm, they eventually contacted me and said, do you want to become an ambassador for them? Right. And I was like, well, what does it involve? And they were like, well, it's not too dissimilar to what you're already doing. You're basically just using your voice and using your platform to raise awareness for, for Calm. And we can, um, you know, just carry on talking about your brother and your experiences and what you went through and what he went through and things like that and how it's affected you and impacted you and, and what more can be done to to help people like like your brother. And so I was like, yeah, of course. So I've, I've done that now. And that's how I became involved with, you know, the Christmas dinner with the England team and meeting Prince William. And I also get to, you know, go and meet people and listen to what they've been through, listen to their stories and how charity like Karma's helped them firsthand because, um, 
if my brother might have known about Calm, he might still be with us. Right. And he would have maybe telephoned them and made use of those services. But it's good to hear from those people that did know about Calm and were able to ring it up. And it's really helped them and, you know, made them manage their mental health a little bit better. And they're still here and they're still able to tell their stories. So those stories are equally as important to tell as well. So it's been re- a real privilege to work with them yeah. and do a lot of stuff with their on their football side of things because obviously uh, football is a real ripe environment for young men to be able to meet up and talk with each other and to go uh, in insert mental health um discussions into that environment's really useful um so yeah i've become a bit of a bit of a fig- figurehead for their, their mental health and football work as well so right. it's been it's been really um positive thing especially out of something so um negative as what happened with my brother to be able to then go and um use those lessons that I learned and, you know, the stories of my brother to be able to help other people and to be able to advertise this incredible charity has been a real um, good way of, you know, continuing the legacy of my brother and still being able to talk about him. Well, it really underlines what you said about using social media for positivity as well, doesn't it? It's it's really fantastic stuff, mate. Um, I wanted to ask you as well, you don't just do Twitter, you've got a podcast as well, right? Yeah. So, um, for, for all the for all the love of football that I have, um, as is evident on on Twitter and, and the conversations we've had, um, music's also a massive love of mine. Um, and so last year, we, uh, me and my friend Tommy, we started a podcast about music festivals. As much as I love music, I hate music festivals. Right. I hate the to- hate the toilets, hate the camping, hate the fact that there's other people there, um, which isn't very helpful. Um, but my friend Tommy, he loves music festivals. He's been overseas to them. He's been to Glastonbury a few times. So um, we started this podcast because obviously all the festivals last summer were cancelled. It's right. looking like many of the festivals this summer are going to be cancelled as well. So we thought... Um, I don't like them. So if I could create my own fantasy music festival where all the bands that I like could be there, but no, nobody else was invited, that would be perfect for me. Um, so what would other people's dream music festivals look like? So each week we get a different guest on and they come and tell us, you know, what, what about their experience in music festivals, whether they like them um, and then what their dream music festival would be like. So where, where, they'd, what, where they'd hold it, what the name of it would be and which bands they'd have play. So we've had Ed Gamble come on and say how he'd have Slipknot and Rage Against the Machine play. Wow. We've had, um, yeah, like he, he, his obsession with Slipknot was like, I really like Slipknot. They're, they're a band that I've loved since I was a teenager, but right. to hear him come out and talk about them, he's seen them in, you know, where the crowd was a hundred people and he was, you know, one of those 100 and they still put on the same stage show as they would have if they were playing, you know, Download or Reading and Leeds or one of these huge festivals. So that was yeah. incredible. Then we've had other people come on and say that their, Ivo Graham came on and say that he'd have his dad's band play um, like his dad's just like jam band would play alongside I think it was the flaming lips and things like that then okay. you know we've had heard some incredible festivals Matt Rushton from uh, the Guardian uh, football podcast he came on and told us how he'd have every single artist from now that's what I call music 12 play the one <laughs> song that was on now that's what I call music so it's just you know these you know being able to sit down and talk with these incredible comedians and presenters and musicians and hear what music they like uh, and what they think of music festivals it's been a real good way of you know passing the time during the the pandemic the last year and a bit or whatever it's been now so very nice mate very nice so listen i've got uh, one last question for you before we start talking about some football shirts what do you think of the phrase footy banter <laughs> um 
I think uh, I think banter is a phrase that is has so many horrible connotations to yeah. it. It makes me think of makes me think of Nando's. Makes me think of uh, pad, Paddy Power. Makes me think of certain you know. Makes me think of those Lab Brooks adverts with uh, Jay from the Inbetweeners, where he'd come right. on and shout "lads, lads, lads." That's the sort of thing. But again, the word banter fulfills so many necessities of language that you you want to say. Like it's it's a horrible word to feel yourself saying, but sometimes it's a necessary word because it's the way, the thing it describes is perfect. So in terms of football banter, I think there's obviously good, good banter, uh, which is, you know, with your mates at the pub or whatever, or on Twitter, on my Twitter account, uh, <laughs> that's where all the good banter is. Yeah. Um, or someone like football cliches and there's, you know, here's Adam's in, incredible at that side of things. But then there's obviously the negatives and people will, you know, I'm sure these people that have been saying horrific racist things on Twitter would probably call that, oh, it's just a bit of banter as well. So yeah. I think it's it's a hard word to to try and use because it, it's a catch-all term and whether whether it's being used correctly or incorrectly or being used for the right thing or the wrong thing, I think often it all gets encapsulated into one. And um, so, yeah, I think it's... Pro- I'd probably err on the side of it being a bad term. But again, it's one that many people would describe to my Twitter account would, would describe to the conversations that we've had already today. They would yeah. probably say that that's a bit of football banter. So yeah, it's a difficult thing. Um, I think, again, I think, I think footy banter is the, is the one that gets me because it's like bad accounts that retweet things. And, you know, there's a lot of that kind of trying to grab attention on Twitter by stealing other people's jokes or making very cliche jokes that you've seen before. There's not a lot of originality. Yeah, I think like troll, troll football and, and people like that, those accounts that were massive, say, uh, five or six years ago that are somehow still going now yeah. and they're just doing the same, you know, using the same, I don't know, meme things that came from Reddit, you know, the forever alone and, and people like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think the word footy is a, <laughs> it's a word that I would have used quite often as a teenager, especially if I was, you know, there was, you know, character limits on text messages to ask if my friends wanted to play but I think it's a word now that I think we as a society has moved on from and I think yeah. call it football call it fo- just call it football Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So Mate, let's talk about some football shirts. Uh, first question is, what in general do football shirts mean to you? I really, I really like football football shirts. I won't say I'm an adamant um, a collector of them, but they're they're sort of a real signifier of of teams, which seems an obvious thing to say. But you know, if you see if you see someone walking down the road and they're wearing a red football shirt and you can see it from the back you know that's probably going to be one of probably Manchester United or Liverpool where I live could be Salford City but it's unlikely um if you see black and white stripes you know it's probably Newcastle but it might be you know Notts County or it could be something else so you know straight away what those football shirts are it's a real easy um signifier of, of who someone might support or what sort of football teams that they like I have a lot of football shirts not as many as like an avid collector would have right I really, really like certain ones and really don't like certain <clears throat> ones. Like overall, like the club's colours. I like um, Minnesota United in the MLS. Right. So they have a grey and really nice grey and blue one. Okay. And so that, I really, really like that. And so those sort of, it's from a design perspective, I suppose, always loved football. I think it is the, the fact that those colours, immediately you know who someone supports as soon as you see the colours yeah. um, so it's just a shame that the team I support have two of the most basic colours going in black and, and white so um, and it's an easy thing to easy thing to uh, colour in when you're a kid as well so you, you've got a white <laughs> piece of paper you just need to do the black stripes which is um, <clears throat> what I used to do so no I really oh, I think I've always liked them and they've always to me I've, there was a thing going around Twitter maybe last week or so, of what seemed posh to you as a child. And I think football shirts were something that seemed always quite posh to me as a child because you always saw in the in the newspapers that, you know, outrageous Manchester United released their third kit in three years and it cost yeah. £60. And it's like, wow, that's... If you can afford all those football shirts, you must be pretty well off. Yeah. So um, I think now... And now, now, especially when I started going abroad, um, both uh, with my parents on holiday and by myself, and you see how much some football shirts are overseas and you think here in England we're actually quite all right relatively reasonably priced in terms of you know comparable to how much they are in say uh, France or Germany they're like 80 80 to 100 quid a pop sometimes uh, for a new football shirt so I don't think it's too bad here but yeah um, 
that there's something that I've always, from when I first got into football, something that I think I've always really liked. So it kind of leads us quite nicely on to your first choice. So you pick three kits. Well, you were supposed to pick three kits, but you picked two for your first choice, but I quite like them. So we let it slide. So you picked the Newcastle 95 to 96 season home and away shirts by Adidas. Yeah. So somebody that, um, as you say, runs a podcast with quite a strict format. Um, it's always quite annoying when someone comes on and immediately uh, <laughs> ruins ruins that format. So my apologies for doing that straight off the bat here. But to me, the, those two kits are not just speaking as a Newcastle fan, but speaking as a football fan and a fan of, fan of Premier League football. I think they're possibly the two most iconic kits across the Premier League from you know 1992 to present. Yeah. The granddad collar on both the kits, the, the away kit with the maroon and blue hoops and the home kit with the, the black and white stripes. And I think you think with, with black and white stripes, I know you're a Celtic fan with the green and white hoops. Yeah, They're quite uh, formulaic and it's quite hard to, I think some other clubs would find it easier to defer away from their you know, Man United with a red kit, they can add extra colours in, but with a black and white kit or green and white hoops, you're quite restricted on what you can do with it. You can even make the the, the stripes bigger or smaller. You can't really get rid of them altogether. Um, you can't really do too much with them. But this Newcastle kit is just playing black and white stripes. And it's it's just, it sounds weird, but it's done really, really well. Yeah. And they've, you know, it's got the the brown ale sponsorship on, which is obviously an iconic thing. It's Adidas and Adidas with this incredibly grand. They're not, uh, you know, at this, even at the time, I think Adidas and Nike were the two big things. Umbro maybe a little bit because they did England kit, but they weren't a Lecoq sportif that you might not really have heard of. And they weren't, you know, even Puma and yeah, Pony and Puma and people like that weren't that relatively well regarded. So for Newcastle to Adidas and, yeah, it's just such a nice kit and it just brings back these incredible memories of when Newcastle were actually good at football as well. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, we nearly we nearly won the league in, in 95, 96. The home kit carried on into 96, 97 after we'd signed Shearer. So we beat Manchester United 5-0 that year as well. So right. they're just intrinsically linked with these really, really fond memories. And they're also the first two football kits that I owned, which is... Right. Um, obviously quite a helpful thing. So I grew up in Preston. I grew up in a little town just outside Preston called Penwitham. In Penwitham, we had one sports shop, which is now half of an Italian restaurant. And um, <laughs> so, and it was like, it was a sports shop where you bought, you know, sports equipment. You buy a tennis racket from there, or you buy a football from there, or you'd buy some dumbbells from there. It wasn't really a football shirt, foot, you know, sports shop but they just so happened to have that Newcastle um away kit in there so I remember my mum and well it would have been I I was going to say my mum and dad it would definitely have been my mum because um she very much spoils me uh, as a child (laughs) and now so my mum bought me this football shirt and it was I wish I still had it because um one is the the maroon and blue away kit's worth quite a lot of money now if it's in good condition yeah and two it probably would still fit me because I haven't grown that much since I was 10 years old. So <laughs> um, I would I would dearly love to still have it. And then the next kit that I got was the, the home kit. So it would have still been our home kit. So I think it would have been a decent wedge of, of my parents to pay. Probably would have been a Christmas present or a birthday present or the two combined because my birthday is near enough to Christmas that that was often the case. Right. But um, I would have, I then got the home kit um, with the number nine on the back of it as well. Um, and there's a great photograph that um, 
of me at my grandparents' golden wedding, um, where we were having um, a relatively posh meal um, in this this nice restaurant. And my mum's there in a, a nice dress and my dad's there in a shirt and tie. And I'm sat between them in the Newcastle United home shirt from 1996. That's <laughs> um, quite how my grandparents would have reacted because I come from a family where... Um, nobody really likes football my uh, my mum and dad don't like football and ne- neither set of my grandparents were particularly fond of football so quite how they reacted at the time but yeah to have these two football shirts as your first football shirts is obviously it sounds like you know when someone asks you what your you know what was the first gig you went to and you say it was some really cool band and people know that you're lying yeah uh, it feels a bit like uh, what was your first football shirt well it was like possibly the most iconic football shirt in the Premier League yeah and certainly at the time maybe in history and definitely Newcastle's uh, most iconic one so it's just they're just really nice I bought um so I gave away the uh, or my parents gave away the the home and away shirt so for years afterwards it's been a case of trying to find a reasonably priced because even the home one goes for goes for a lot of money as well and replacement for it so I think I've run through about it's also trying to find the right size because 90s sizes are very different to modern sizes um (laughs) especially so they're even massive like a small i wear small or extra small so um small is either massive or small is very small because it's shrunk in the wash over the the intervening like 25 years so it's I, i think i finally found um one now so um yeah i'd i'd love to get the away kit again but like i say they're so so expensive yeah um to try and pick them up from somewhere or they're or people have you know they're fakes which is um i think you obviously as football shirt collectors you find a lot of them and uh, people trying to you know especially now there's this big trend to be wearing football shirts again and especially retro football shirts yeah. we've seen that with how much classic football shirts have really blown up and expanded their business and people want a piece of that as well and so they will get hold of or create recreate fake football shirts and try and sell them for the 200 or whatever amount it is to um to try and capitalize on people's love of these football shirts as well so haven't managed to find the away kit again yet but like I say, just two incredible iconic kits. Yeah, um, I think it's, when you think of Newcastle, um, they're probably the two first two kits that come to mind as well. That whole that whole teams. I I think those kits have ruined football kits for me because nothing at Newcastle has been as good as good since. No. Teams, those teams have ruined Newcastle for me because we're never going to have a team as good as Ginola and Shearer and <laughs> Ferdinand and Beardsley and Lee and Albert uh, ever again. So um, I was very much. Uh, spoiled from a very early age and everything as a Newcastle fan has been downhill from there on in. <laughs> okay, mate. So your next shirt is a bit of a more successful team. It's Boca Juniors. It's their 0910 uh, shirt by Nike. How could you pick this one? So Boca Juniors as a as a kid, um I came to I came to football relatively late. So after Euro 96, um like I say I came from a family that didn't really like didn't really like football so it's left to me to sort of discover it myself um and so I learned about football through football through championship manager it was then right through reading books and, and learning absolutely everything there was to learn about football and so Boca Juniors one they have a weird they have a strange name um from a from an English perspective it's not it's not a United or a city or a town um juniors it sounds like youth football and that's the only way we would have ever come across that name before but as well this the the blue and gold kit just looked 
like nothing that we have in this this country. Chelsea wear Chelsea wear or wore a similar-ish blue, um, but and no one really wears that yellowy gold colour that that Boca have across the the band across the middle. So it was so different. So as a kid and growing up, um, probably much older than uh, than I would care to to reveal, <laughs> when I was creating my own teams on FIFA from from Football Manager. The home kit that the, the fake teams that I would have would always have a Boca Juniors style kit. It would always be blue with the gold band across the middle and gold trim and things like that. Right. And so it's just this beauty. It's just such a beautiful kit. And, and the the 0910 one um, just has this. There's a lot of Boca kits have quite a bright blue, yeah. whereas this one's got a much deeper dark blue, which contrasts with the gold really really nice. And it has the LG sponsor, which is quite a small little trim sponsor. Yeah. Um, a lot of the earlier ones will have Pepsi, which seems which is it's quite a, a cool brand to have on your football shirt, but it's quite a big overbearing uh, yeah. sponsor as well. So that Boca shirt is just beautiful. It was also helped by the fact that um Nobby Solano, who's one of my favourite ever Newcastle players, um, also played for Boca Juniors. Did he really? Um, alongside, he played, so he's, he's the only footballer to have um, been a teammate of both Diego Maradona and Shola Ramiobi. So there we go. <laughs> <coughs> so yeah, he played uh, when Maradona came back for his last swan song at, um, at Boca. That's when yeah. Solano was there. So um, he also played for them, which is a great thing. But yeah, it's just such such a nice kit and um especially this one it's another one where i spent a long time trying to get get a hold of get a hold of the football kit right I eventually got it um a couple of years later off ebay um but yeah, it's, it's one of those kits but that um you you don't want to play don't want to wear to play football in yeah because yeah. you don't want anyone to you don't want to get mud on it or you don't want to get any sort of um friction burn marks on it if you're playing on astroturf you don't want anyone to pull it and pull away at the seams if they're pulling your shirt back you don't want to but again it's one of those things where you sort of get a bit of kudos if you turn up wearing a Boca Junior shirt one you have to be I'm not very good at football but you have to be pretty good at football if you're turning up in a Boca Junior shirt an Argentina shirt or a Brazil shirt or with pink boots and things like that it's one of those things where you have to be relatively good at football if you're going to turn up in one of them if you turn up wearing a you know Newcastle shirt it's probably expected that you're not necessarily going to be that good at football but if you're wearing a South American football shirt you have to either be good or have the theatrics and lucky for me I had the the theatrics when I used to play football instead so but yeah just such such a nice kit I was going to say this one has like quite a smart collar so you could have got away with that uh, golden wedding anniversary with this one if you had it I have the argument that it's technically is gold in colour as well. So add that, yeah. add that to it. But again, I think um, my parents would have had even more questions if um, as a, a 10 or 11 year old, I was turning off it. Can I wear this uh, Boca Junior shirt uh, to, uh, and start to, talking to them about Diego Maradona and uh, Claudio Canigia and all these, these people that I learned about from championship manager. So no, I don't think I don't think I've quite got away with it. So, mate, let's move on to your final shirt. So, I'm a Celtic fan. I was quite surprised you picked this one, but there's a bit of a story behind it. So, it's a Celtic home by Nike. It's a 2013 to 2015. So, I think it lasted two seasons, this one, and it was the last one by Nike. So, like I said before, with with Newcastle um, shirts, it's quite hard to deviate from the established um, look of them, the black and white stripes. And I said it's a bit of a similarity with Celtic it's hard to go away from the green and white hoops but I like on this one that they mixed it up a little bit and I don't know how you feel as an actual Celtic fan the way that they split off the hoops into almost pinstripe 
hoops. Yeah. And I really like the fact that they they tried something a little bit different. And I think it works a lot of times, you know, you've seen with Newcastle kits where they try and do things a bit differently with the stripes and it doesn't quite work. But I think with this one, it does does work quite well. Again, as a Celtic fan, you might you might say <laughs> differently that it's a, it's an abomination and yeah, they've ruined ruined the uh, the long established traditions of Celtic Football Club. Yeah, but for me, this 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 shirt um, it's not just like from twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen. It's it's the, the shirt that Celtic wore in the twenty twenty two Champions League final. <laughs> it's a Celtic shirt that that they've worn to to glory numerous times because I was Celtic manager on Football Manager in a, a save that I started in two thousand and thirteen and, and is still playing in two thousand and, and twenty one. I nearly said in wow. two thousand one hundred and one because that's what year I'm in. Um, Are you really? But, um, yeah, two, two well two thousand one hundred and two now. So which goes that far. Yeah, it carries on infinitely, but no one's established the, the naming uh, for, for years beyond 2099. So I don't know whether we say 2102 or 2102. So I'm not going to be around in the real world to, to, to be part of this, I, I shouldn't imagine. But anyway, a very long save on Football Manager where I started off at Dinamo Dresden, went to Brighton, went to Hearts, and then in 2017, so four years into the game, but four years ago, right. I got the, the Celtic job, and I've been at Celtic ever since and, and had these incredible players, some of them real. Um, so Cristiano Ronaldo came to Celtic at one point. Wow. Young Min Son was at Celtic. Um, who else real did we have? Uh, it's that long ago, I can't remember. But <laughs> these, 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 these great real players, and then bringing through the new gens that you get on Football Manager. Um, and the best new gem that I had uh, was Avicii Strock, who was this Croatian striker um, that I got for five million pounds from um, NK Zagreb in, in Croatia. Right. And snatched him, snatched him from under the noses of Chelsea and PSG and uh, Barcelona and Manchester City and these great, you know, super clubs that have infinite amounts of money and, and we're going to win titles regardless um so i tempted him to celtic park he played as we moved to sharples park the, the second best <laughs> stadium in the world we now play in the sharples arena slightly bigger uh biggest bigger stadium in europe wow. um but um he uh he just he was just this incredible player that, uh, that i had and and uh, we touched on my brother passing away so um earlier and when he passed away and i was at my sister's with my family any moment um that we had spare i would play football manager because there's nothing else to do and it, it it's a form of escapism and takes you into this this uh, world where you're the greatest manager in in the country and so uh, he i you know take charge of celtic and avicii kept scoring and he's got 836 goals for celtic and wow. um, and Jimmy McGrory has one of the best goal scoring records. I think is it 599 goals for Celtic. I think it's one of the records for a single club. Yeah, but barely any Scotland caps, of course. Yeah, so it looked this this, this goal scoring record of, of Jimmy McGrory's looked long into the distance, and then Avicii broke it and then just ran away with it and scored 836 <laughs> goals. Not even in, taking into account the 152 that he scored for Croatia, wow. um, which is again a record. But he was just he was sublime. He was just brilliant. So. I got this Celtic shirt with uh, with Strock and number ten on on the back, and um, the National Football Museum, which is based in Manchester, put on an exhibition of of um, memorabilia from the history of football games, mainly FIFA and uh, Football Manager, but with a few of the ones thrown in there. And they messaged me and said, "Look, do you, would you be willing to loan us a Vicha Strock Celtic shirt?" And I was like. <laughs> 
yeah it's a very one of those surreal things that comes about through twitter and i was like of course um yeah so his shirt went and hung up in the, the national football museum along with that they also have like diego maradona's shirt from the hand of god game they have like uh the original fa cup in there and things like that and then to, to be able to go to the opening of this exhibition see a vicious sh- uh, shirt there was surreal but they also had um the uh, football program. So I made a football program, which I've got. I think I've got a uh, copy of it next to. Which is for a, for an audio medium. Um, me showing this to the camera isn't very good. Um, but I produced a load of uh, football programs for a Vichas testimonial match and had them printed and, and sold them to raise money for Calm. And so the football uh, museum asked if they could put one of those in there as well. And I was like, yeah, of course. So yeah, the sh- the shirt. Um, I don't have any particular memories of it um, from a Celtic perspective, from a real life Celtic perspective, I should say. Yeah. You know, I think you you pro- you won the title wearing it a yeah. couple of times, both seasons. Um, but I, yeah, I know Virgil Van Dijk wore it. Um, I think John Gadetti would he have been there? I'm just thinking of people. Yeah, like guys like I think it was the kind of I think Lennon was the manager in the first season, and Ronnie Dyler came in the second season so it's a bit of a transitional period so you like a lot of that team that beat Barcelona was kind of on its way out and then a few of the new guys came in that necessarily didn't work out it's like Stefan Johansson is at Fulham now was one that came in and played in that one Chris Commons as well yeah yeah I'm just, just trying to think of people whose uh, heads I took off to put Avicis head <laughs> on top of them uh, so he, he has his own Twitter account right Avicis dropped he does he's gone very quiet because um well, partly because, it, you know, in 2102, he was born in 2001. So by 2102, you'd have to assume uh, he was no longer with us, um, <laughs> to, to put it politely. But at the same time, um, it's, it's difficult enough to... Oh, yeah. The, he, he'd have a statue outside Sharples, the Sharples Arena. He'd have um, all sorts. His, his goal-scoring record has been... So, so I've had a player score 725 goals for Celtic. But that's still 111 goals behind a beach of struck. I just can't. It's hard to ima- like imagine that. Like if, uh, we're recording this a couple of days after Lionel Messi scored his 650th goal for Barcelona. Yeah, and that's still you know 180 goals behind what struck scored for Celtic. It's just a, a ridiculous even by football manager standards, which is a, obviously a different metric to measure things because it's a fictional world, but even by football manager standards, 836 goals for one club is silly numbers. Yeah. And so that shirt is, is just um, brings back so many, so many fond memories of, of playing that football game of football manager and um, seeing it hanging up in the football museum and things like that. And it's, 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 a, nice, it's a nice shirt as well. Uh, no, so the exhibition ran from 20, the summer of 2015 to the summer of 2016, and then they returned it very kindly in the condition that I would expect. Um, they had a shirt they had stolen to, from there, didn't they? They had a Celtic shirt stolen, so it was um, one of the ugliest Celtic shirts. Um, so it's part of, the, they've done a football kit exhibition and they've had like, some of the most um, iconic football shirts, so obviously the Newcastle ones in there. Uh, but then they've had a hall of sh- hall of shame with some of the ugly ones. So I think Hull City one where they did the tiger stripes and yeah, that Celtic one. Someone, I think it's quite a rare shirt yeah. as well. So I think someone lifted it to try and sell it on. But obviously the football shirt 
community is a very close knit one. And as soon as someone says, look, if someone, anyone offers you this shirt or you see this shirt when you scour an eBay or things like that, let me know because there's a good chance that it could be mine. And eventually they uh, they found it again. But yeah, that was quite shocking. My dad messaged me um, when that happened. Doesn't Like I say, I come from a family of uh, non-football supporters, so he must have been scouring BBC News website. Yeah. But he messaged me when that happened and said, it wasn't a feature shirt, was it? I don't know. <laughs> no, because I think anyone would notice if that crops up in an auction and be like, who the hell is a feature shot? <laughs> but he... Um, yeah, it's just it, it it was returned to me. But I think they had to. I don't know if they had to insure it when it went to the museum. Again, just in case it. I don't imagine the excess on it was particularly large. No. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's just it is a it, as well as being a, an iconic football shirt for me from the perspective of, of playing it with Celtic on Football Manager. I do think it's a genuinely nice football shirt as well. Um, I'd probably be less inclined to to buy the shirt or have the shirt if it was an ugly football shirt. So um, props to Celtic for having happening to have a, a nice football shirt um, in the period that I started the, the game of Football Manager. <laughs> very nice, mate. Well, look, that's three or, or four very, very nice shirts. Thanks so much for sharing them with us, mate. Um, I just wanted to ask kind of um, what's, what's coming up next for you? Um carrying on being an idiot on twitter um, <laughs> is probably the main thing um carrying on the podcast your first available on acast apple itunes spotify etc um don't forget to like and subscribe and give us a review um so just carrying on with that and just anything things have been made obviously a lot more difficult during the pandemic so i can't really go out and um do the stuff i go to go to dubai and do influencing from places like that yeah but, um, um so a lot of the work that I do with, with Calm has been mainly online at the moment, sh- sharing tweets and sharing news articles and things like that. So hopefully once more people have been vaccinated and things eventually start getting back to normal, we can go back out and start um, spreading the word of Calm uh, further afield again. So, um, yeah, not much in the pipeline at the moment, but like I say, mainly just being an idiot on Twitter. So no break from no break from the norm there, really. So there you have it. Massive thanks to Johnny for sharing his football kit memories with me. You can follow me and my own collection on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. Make sure you give Johnny a follow too. And other than that, I guess that's it. So until next time, I'll see you later. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.